0: Welcome, everybody, to the F1 Feast Canadian Grand Prix Show presented by your friends, Filibuster Freestyle, filibusterfreestyle.com It's your buddy Gavin. It is 5.43 a.m. on Tuesday, June 20th, 2023, I believe the longest day of the year. This will be the final Filibuster Freestyle edition from our South Boston studios. It is moving week go into that in a minute relative to our ability to have an f1 feast prior to this show but first the theme song filibuster freestyle coming your way and we'll see you on the other side filibuster filibuster freestyle Filibuster, filibuster Watch freestyle. out for the filibuster. Filibuster. Filibuster freestyle. Freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. All right, so the theme songs in the books, we are moving um, the pod, the family, etc. We're not moving far. We're only moving about 20 miles, but I'll tell you what. The ramp up to moving when you have a small child is 1,000,000% different than when I moved three and a half years ago to come from Charlotte, North Carolina, to here in Boston. So that's just the bottom line. So we were looking to get some poutine, which is a favorite food of the Montreal area, the Quebec area, Canada in general, so I'm told, but certainly Montreal, certainly Quebec, we're looking to make either make some poutine or order some poutine and, and do the show. But as you can tell, when you're podcasting at five, well, call it quarter six in the morning, we didn't get any poutine, and we got to get the heck out of here. We got to move, but we got to get this pod up. So that's where we're at. So Canadian Grand Prix, more of the same at the top. By the way, hush tones podcast, maybe one of the last ones of those too. Because we're moving to a much bigger studio slash house. So we're going to have more room to operate, whether early in the morning or not. Uh, But anyway, more of the same, Max Verstappen, another victory. Red Bull has now won, I believe, nine races in a row. And I think a stat I heard was like 18 of the last 19 races or 19 of the last 20 races over the last two seasons have all been won by Red Bull. We're getting very used to hearing the Austrian national anthem, because the Red Bull is an Austrian team, and we're getting most used to hearing the Dutch national anthem, as Max Verstappen has won by far the lion's share of those. Whether whatever it is, 19 or or 18 victories in the last 18, 20 races, whatever it was. And certainly the last nine in a row, Max has won most of those too, over his teammate Chekhov Perez and everybody else. The Red Bull story and you're hearing this in every podcast you listen to about F1, is that Max has now completely flipped the switch and is dominating his own teammate, Checo Perez. And that Checo, ever since Miami, basically, the Miami Grand Prix, it just has not been good luck or great performance from Checo. Now, Checo did wind up being able to salvage a sixth place in this race. But if you look at the standings from this race, the results from this race. I mean, Checo was 30 seconds behind the fifth-place finisher, which was Carlos Sainz of Ferrari. And Ferrari had arguably their best day of the season, despite having terrible strategy, et cetera, as always. But they came in fourth and fifth. Charlotte Claire fourth, Carlos Sainz fifth. And for both of them to finish in front of a Red Bull in the same race Ferrari can't be feeling great but they got to be feeling better about how things went in Canada because they have a huge fan base in Canada they really delivered for what is a kind of a quasi home race for them but let's focus on the top two or sorry the top three and by the way you hear that a lot the top two because Max Verstappen is basically racing in a vacuum in front of everybody but the two I was referring to are former two-time world champion Fernando Alonso and former seven-time, some would say eight, world champion Lewis Hamilton. First of all, both of them were pushing Max throughout the race in a way that a Red Bull had not been pushed before, and whether or not, I don't think we had the Red Bull at full throttle the whole race, but less than a 10-second win... For max over Fernando Alonso and Alonso backed off towards the end to make sure that he had enough to beat Lewis and Lewis backed off at the end to make sure that he you know had enough to beat Charles Leclerc but for Fernando to come in second for Lewis to come in third really good stuff for Aston Martin really good stuff for Mercedes really good stuff for both Fernando and Lewis at the beginning of the race we saw an unbelievable start from Lewis when he shifted from third up to second where he was for the first 22 laps. Alonzo finally gets Lewis with DRS around the 25th lap, 23rd lap, 22nd lap, whatever it was in the 20s, I think 22. And he's able to hold on. And Lewis is able to kind of cut into his lead towards the end, but at the end of the day, Alonzo's a good enough driver, and he was doing a thing calling uh, lift and coast, where he really wasn't pushing the car at the ultimate speed and the good news for Aston Martin, besides the fact that they brought some upgrades to this race to help match the upgrades that Mercedes brought to Monaco, which we saw very much in effect in Spain. But the Mercedes is not, so I'm told from several podcasts and several pundits, it's not super suited for slow corners. It is suited for fast corners. And Montreal, with a tearpin turn, especially, is a slow corner track. So it seems like between Fernando being a great driver, like Lewis is, uh, the Aston Martin having a higher starting point at the beginning of the season than the Mercedes did under a different concept, Mercedes already having brought upgrades essentially to Spain, uh, call it Monaco if you want, and then here we are two weeks later, Aston Martin brings their first upgrade to the season. you got to be feeling good about Mercedes in that you're – Upgrades, We were able to hang with Aston Martin. We're able to start faster than Aston Martin at the beginning of the race, and we're able to fend off the Ferraris throughout the race very easily. You've got to be feeling good about your pace. You have a top three pace for sure, and potentially on certain tracks, like Spain last week, two weeks ago, you may even have top two pace. So I think it's going to be a battle Checo Perez may be able to get back together in the in his Red Bull and, and actually remain in second place we 'll get into the standings before we go in terms of driver 's points, but this is now a battle between Lewis and Fernando for who 's going to come in third and or second in terms of directors i 'm sorry, in terms of driver 's championship and in terms of the constructors this is definitely is going to be Aston Martin versus Mercedes for who 's coming in second few other drivers I want to get into. Most notably, in seventh place, in the Williams. Yes, that's right, the Williams. Alexander Albon. Albon had great qualifying. Albon had a great race. Albon was able to hold off basically the rest of the field because that Williams is fast in the straights, not great in the corners. Basically a junior varsity car in a lot of ways. And Albaugham is able to find a way to get into seventh and never relinquish seventh. And he you know, he beat Esteban Ocon and the Alpine. Alpine's been quicker than them this year. Lance Stroll, who was in his home race, Canadian Grand Prix, in an Aston Martin. Lance couldn't get by. <clears throat> Valtteri Bottas, the veteran driver. And the Alfa Romero couldn't get by. Oscar Piastri in his McLaren. By the way, McLarens ran a lot better this week couldn't get by, Peter Gasly couldn't get by, and the Alpine, Lando Norris and the McLaren, Yuki Tsunoda and the Alphitore, the Haas's. We'll get to the hosses in a minute, but as I go down the list, with the exception of two Ferraris, two Red Bulls, and then two multi-time world champions in Alonso and Lewis Hamilton, Alexander Albon was able to hold off everybody else in a Williams. He did win driver of the day on the race telecast, and i got to tell you, absolutely driver of the day. So congrats to the Williams team and Alexander Albon for bringing it, which makes up for the fact that Logan Sargent, their American rookie driver, he was out within six laps. And if we want to talk about other folks who had a rough day, George Russell put the car in the wall early in the race, found a way to get back in the race, found a way to get back into the points, or at least in towards the top ten, And then the car conked out again, George Russell, one of two drivers to not finish the race. And, you know, George has had a tough run here relative to his first year at Mercedes and relative to the very beginning of the season at Mercedes. We'll see how George responds. And it's going to be key to see how George responds because George Russell versus Lance Stroll is just important to the Mercedes-Aston Martin battle, as is Fernando Alonso versus Lewis. The number two driver it has been ubiquitous that George is a better number two driver than Lance Stroll, and he is. But if he doesn't finish the race, or he finishes out of the points and Lance finishes in the points, it allows Aston Martin to chip back in for that second place in the Constructors' Championship. All right, we talked to Albon. You know, i got to give the McLaren team some credit. Now, Lando got a five-second penalty, and Lando would have been in the top ten, probably, I think, ninth place. And unfortunately, he got a five-second penalty. Everybody was held up in the DRS crane behind Alexander Albon. So, when Lando crossed, he was 9th place, but because of the penalty, he dropped to 13th. But the McLaren had paced today, so much so that rookie driver Oscar Piastri of McLaren coming in 11th. You know, and again, would have been one spot below or so. But Piastri finished right behind Norris, but both, you know, they're clearly in that top 10 bubble today. McLaren's got to feel better about their overall performance this weekend, especially because. You know, they had a week in Spain where Lando qualified third and then came in, like, I don't know, whatever it was, 18th place, ballpark. The race pace wasn't there. And the last team I really want to talk about, speaking of race pace, it's got to be Haas. You know, the American Formula One team, you know, Nico Hockenberg, what, he finished third, which is phenomenal, qualified third. He got a grid penalty as well. Um, so he started, I forget now, my bad, but he started in the single digits, and Hulkenberg ends up in 15th place, and his teammate Kevin Magnussen ends up in 17th place. The Haas have been so much better in qualifying, and they just don't have the race pace. So where does that leave us on a short and sweet F1 feast, live from the South Boston studio one last time? Verstappen, clearing away, rolling, Eight races, eight podiums, six wins, 195 points in the season. He's 69 points ahead of his teammate, Checo Perez, who has four podiums, two wins this season. Fernando Alonso gets himself into third, keeps himself in the third place in the Drivers' Championship. He's at 117, so he's only nine points behind Perez despite zero wins, but he has six podiums. Lewis in fourth, cracking the top four cracking 100 points, second straight podium, three on the year, 102 points. And then behind Lewis by what appears to be, yeah, 30, 34 points is Carlos Sainz of Ferrari with 68 points, zero podiums, zero wins. Other podiums in here, uh, George Russell at 65 points, just behind Carlos Sainz has a one third place podium or a second place, whatever it was. Charlotte Claire has a podium, he's at 54. Then you get into Stroll at 37. Ocon, actually, 29 points, but one podium. Nobody else has a podium. And then really, in terms of the rookies, Piastri has five points in the year. The other two rookies have zero points, so Piastri having the best rookie campaign. And then you've got to give Alexander Albon all the credit in the world. He picked up six points in this race. He picked up one point in a previous race, and Alexander Albon is sitting in 12th place in the Drivers' Championship in a Williams with seven points because all the points are really going up top. In the constructors, we know Red Bull's going to win this thing. They are up 321 to 167 over Mercedes. Mercedes nursing a tight 13-point lead, 167 154 over Aston Martin. Aston Martin, 32 points ahead of Ferrari, who has 122. Alpine, a clear fifth-place team, 44 points. Almost 100 points behind Ferrari, who's in fourth. Uh, McLaren, a clear sixth place team with 17 points, well, well, well behind Alpine. And then everybody else is single digit loving. Alpha Romero, somehow in ninth, sorry, they have nine points. They're in seventh place with nine. Haas is in eighth with eight, eight points. Williams is in ninth with seven points. Alpha Torre, two points total few things there. Yuki Sonoda has driven better than having only earned two points this season for Alpha Tauri. He in bad luck. Williams, again, really doing, they're going to take that. Albon's driving great. Haas, I mean, again, you get got three teams between nine points, eight points, and seven points. Alfa Romero, I think, is the worst qualifying car, but not the worst race pace car. Haas has the best qualifying car the worst race based car. And Williams, I think, has a car that on certain tracks, on certain days, in certain settings, with Alexander Albon behind it, can be better than both. So I think there's a puncher's chance for Williams to be an eighth-place team, maybe even a seventh-place team. But certainly an eighth-place team. Because I don't know if Haas or Alfa Romero is going to have a lot of luck the rest of the way. We'll see. Especially Haas. Wish that wasn't the case, but I think it is. So there you go. We get no poutine. We're not on strike. We're not boycotting Putin. We're not boycotting Canada. We're not boycotting Quebec. In fact, Quebec and Montreal specifically in the summer, an unbelievable place, like one of the best places on earth to be. Interesting story. I believe it was 2012. My cousin James was getting married later that summer, and we went up to Montreal uh, for, the, for the bachelor party. And I'm pretty sure... It was race weekend, and Formula One was so off the radar in 2012, clearly not in North America because there was a Canadian Grand Prix, but certainly in the United States of America, certainly in the Northeast, here in the Boston area, that I believe we were in town and we had heard, oh yeah, it's race weekend, and we didn't even know what that meant. And to think we were there basically for the F1 for the F1 calendar to align with that bachelor party and didn't even have a second thought about trying to go at a time and we probably could have easily walked in because it was pre-Drive to Survive. Not that I'm, that's a miss or an own goal or a regret because you can't regret something you didn't know was cool. But the fact that we could go to Montreal, plan this trip and have zero idea that it was a race weekend and then fast forward 11, 12 years later, 11 years later, when here we are sitting amidst boxes everywhere and myself and Cindy Harrington are saying, man, we should have gone to Montreal this year. Now obviously we couldn't (laughs) because we're sitting in chaos and moving. But what a difference a decade makes in terms of F1's popularity here in the States and certainly my awareness of it. So anyway, filibusterfreestyle.com, at filibusterfreestyle on Instagram. Do us a favor, check out and follow a couple of our partners at Drilling Threes, America's Favorite Party Band, and at Pop Sketch Designs for all your T-shirt, hat, swag, needs, both on Instagram. And um, leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Good Pods excuse me, and like I said, anywhere else. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been the Canadian Grand Prix abbreviated recap, and though we didn't get any poutine, we enjoyed the race.